welcome you this morning to the Lord's house. We're very glad that you are here today, a beautiful Lord's Day morning. We want to begin our worship with hymn number 352, Like a River Glorious is God's perfect peace over all victorious in its bright increase. Let's stand, please, as we lift our hearts and our voices to the Lord. Let's be still, please, before the Lord now as we come to pray and uh, seek the Lord for His blessing upon our service and that we would be of a right heart and a right spirit as we come before Him today. Let's seek Him now. Lord, we rejoice this morning for the blessing of a new day and a new Lord's Day and the brightness that we have outside And Lord, much greater than that is the joy and the brightness 
within our hearts because of sins forgiven, because of the knowledge of eternal life, because, Lord, we know that Christ has died for us and has risen again. And, Father, we are assured by His Word that He is coming back to this world again. We pray, dear Father, that You would draw near to us now today as we settle our hearts and minds, as we come to sing and to give praise from our hearts for all that Thou hast done for us. And dear Father, as we come to think today and to joy in the fellowship one with another, and most of all that we would come to exalt the name of our blessed Lord and Savior. Dear God, this is the reason that we are here. This is our purpose, that we might love our Lord and that we might serve Him with all of our hearts and our being. Dear Father, today we ask that You would bless those who are set aside with sickness, those who are in hospital, suffering the loss of loved ones. We ask for Your hand to be upon Mrs. Hamilton today, that she would know Your presence and strength and also blessing upon her family. We pray for our sister Serene as she grieves the loss of her dear aunt and her uncle in hospital. Lord, we pray for him, that You would bless him and just draw Your comfort around Serene. And we ask, Lord, to touch her in her own physical health needs as well. Remember all those in our fellowship. Lord, we pray for very often, and we're thankful for answering prayer and for sustaining them and helping. Lord, we continue to pour out our request and our thanksgiving. And Lord, that You would come to abundantly pour out Your help in every time of need. Dear Lord, today we give thanks for the great opportunity we have of being together in the house of prayer and praise. And Lord, where there is not only in our own fellowship here this morning, as we desire to honor our Lord, we desire to be spoken to by the Holy Spirit from the Scripture. We desire, Lord, that our testimony will be bright for the Master. We ask, Lord, to bless all of our sister congregations. Bless every minister who is standing faithful for the cause of Christ and bring souls into the kingdom today, we pray. And Lord, not only within our own fellowship, we ask for all who are faithfully proclaiming the wonders of free salvation And dear Lord, we pray that righteousness will increase in our land. O God, it might please Thee to hinder and stop and turn backward every force of wickedness and evil in our land. O God, help us, we pray, in this day in which we live in, to be a bright testimony for our Master, and that we will not be on the retreat or the decline. But let righteousness increase, we pray, O God. 
Let, we pray, all those who are standing for truth and uprightness be powered and strengthened in their own hearts. We ask, O God, that the shame and dishonor that is upon our city and nation, O God, that You would look down upon and cause to go in reverse that which is promoted. We think of industry today and commercialism and all the businesses that promote iniquity. O God, we pray that You would deal with them and help us, we pray, in our land to have the freedom to proclaim the gospel of Christ. And Lord, that we might see souls rescued from the very burning, rescued and delivered and brought to Christ. Lord, make use of us, we pray. Bless every form of outreach that we are engaged in, all of the printed matter, the gospel tracts, the electronic sign, and most of all, Father, bless each one who is a a believer here today that our personal witness would be advanced and multiplied. You would make use of us. Lord, hear our prayer now. Remember us. Bless us as we meet after our morning service around the table of communion and remembrance. And draw near to us there as well, Father. So hear our prayers and bless us as we continue in our worship. For we ask these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Psalm 116. I love the Lord because my voice and prayers He did hear. I, while I live, will call on Him who bowed to me His ear. Let's stand, please, again as we worship.
your singing and your worship today is good, and it is great to be able to be in the house of praise and to have breath to be able to sing unto the Lord. It is a great mercy in glory. It will be the constant theme of the child of God to be able to sing to Him and to give praise to His name. We're reading, please, in our Scripture this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we're going to start at verse 13, and for those of you who have been here for a little time anyways, you may remember that this was the verse, our motto text, for January 2021, and that was right, well, in the thick of COVID, although it seems like a distant memory now, and we hope it will not be back upon us ever, but nonetheless, we came through those times by God's grace, and it starts, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Let all your things be done with charity, with love. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That ye submit yourselves unto such, and to every one that helpeth with us, and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus. For that which was lacking on your part they have supplied. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you. Much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet ye one another with an holy kiss. The salutation of me, Paul, with mine own hand. If any man love not the Lord Jesus, let him be anathema, maranatha. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. As he finishes off by stating that if any person does not love the Lord Jesus, if it comes to the end of days, it comes to the day of a person's death, it comes to the point where they stand before God and they have not the testimony that they love Christ, they will be anathema. The word means let him be damned. These are solemn words, things that you cannot just pass by quickly. 
And I encourage you, friend, today, you're here visiting, maybe for the first time, you're watching online, you cannot say from your heart that you love the Lord Jesus. You cannot say that you have been born again of the Spirit of God. Then I say to you today, while you have life and opportunity, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And so, receive Christ, because when you do, you've come to acknowledge and know that He has loved you with an everlasting love, and therefore, we respond to that love and say, yes, Lord Jesus, I love you as well. The word following this is the word maranatha. Sometimes people get confused. Why does it say anathema and then right away maranatha? Well, Paul is saying, Maranatha means the Lord is coming. The Lord is at hand. And we believe that more so today, much more so than in the day that Paul wrote this. The Lord is much closer at hand. And He indeed is coming. And let the truth of the coming of Christ so fill your heart with joy that no matter what's going on around us, and there's a lot of garbage going on around us today, we know that the month of June has been dedicated to great immorality in all of the pride advertisements and companies and corporations that have bought into all this stuff. The Lord's watching. Indeed, it is part of the judgment upon a land when the promotion and the acceleration of such iniquity takes place in our land. May we as believers stand by the grace of God, making our testimony and our witness to the best that we can. But let's most definitely be in prayer about this, that God will hinder the evil. He will cause rot and corruption to take place within these organizations and institutions that so promote great evil. Now, the Lord is at hand, and He is coming back again. And so in the midst of all that's going on in our own hearts, the troubles that we have out around us in society, Christ is coming back. Maranatha, He is coming. And in that sense, friend, and I believe why Paul put that right following the word anathema, it is be ready, get ready, He is coming. When our, when our church really got off of the ground and back in 1976 when Dr. McClellan was holding opening meetings back there. We were kicked out of our church where we were at that time. I won't go into all the details of that, but it was to do with ecumenism and apostasy and so on. Nonetheless, Dr. Paisley had been invited here for a two-week gospel campaign to really get the church off the ground, but there was no place to meet. And finally, Dr. McClellan was able to contact a man in downtown Riverside Church, and it was a large sign that he had for many, many years as you came on to the uh, Gardner Expressway, and it was, Christ is coming, call Jim, and his phone number there. And that was a good message, because the Lord is at hand, and He is coming back. And so, friends, let's be Aware of that, be conscious of it, be about the Master's business, and be like these dear people 
whom Paul was writing to in verse 15, it said, The first fruits of Achaia, for they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. What a testimony! That can be said of many of you in our church here, that you have given yourselves to the testimony of the work of Christ. You've given yourselves to the care of others. And if we have to say, I'm a bit wanting in that area, a bit lacking there, what a great prayer. Lord, help me to give myself to my brothers and sisters to the service of Christ so that our testimony in this church would be, I know that group of people, and one thing we can say about them, they have given themselves, they're addicted to the work of God to the glory of Jesus Christ and to the saints of God today. May the Lord bless His Word uh, to your hearts. Welcome to our morning service. We're very happy that you're here, and we're very happy that we have some visitors with us today. And it's good to see Greg McFarland with us in the service today. Uh, We have been praying for you. We know you've got some health concerns, and we have been holding you up in prayer. And so we're happy that you're here with us today and your family. We also want to ask you to remember our sister Serene, as I've been praying. Uh, She lost her dear aunt who died. She had a stroke, was in the hospital, and has gone home to be with the Lord. So that's a great blessing. But do remember to pray also for Serene's uncle. He is in hospital with some very serious, complicated health matters. And we want to remember him before God as well. Let's not forget to pray in our private devotion, in our public praying for the persecuted believers around the world, those who are suffering because they name the name of Christ. The Lord would be with them, and He would protect them and make them a bright light and a testimony in this day. Right after our service this morning, we're meeting around the Lord's table, the communion table. If you know the Lord as your Savior, then we invite you to partake with us at this table. You don't have to be a member of our church, but you do have to be a member of Christ's church and to know Him. If you're not a believer, you're welcome to stay, but we ask you not to take of the elements, but you can just stay and observe if you desire. We give you an opportunity at the end of this service to leave if you need to. Remember this afternoon at 5.50, is our prayer time before the evening service, and we encourage as many as possible to be here and pray for the Lord's work, and then our evening service at 6.30 tonight. This week is an exciting one for us, for we have devoted Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday to special days of prayer, with Wednesday being a baptismal service, and we start each night at 7.30 and finish by 9 p.m., and we encourage every family to be represented, if at all possible. We know it's not possible. Some people have to work. You have different shift work and so on, but if you can't be here, then you pray with us, and we will know and feel the weight of your praying. Monday and Tuesday, we want to focus our praying that the Lord would empower us as His people for service, that He would make us strong in the Lord, that we might be a light in these dark days, and that on Tuesday night we would focus on God's mercy 
upon our city and our nation, and that we would know a great reviving among God's people and an awakening in the salvation of souls. How much we stand in need of that in our day. And of course, we are praying for the three people who are going to be baptized on Wednesday night in the Lord's will. We also have on Tuesday at noontime the presbytery prayer for the elders and ministers, and that is via Zoom. And that will be a gathering of many of our men from across North America. And we look forward to these times and as we get together and seek the Lord. Thursday evening, it will be a session and board meeting at 6 and 7.30. It's a busy week for the men, and we tried to make arrangements for another time, but it just didn't come together. And so please be in prayer for the men for Thursday night as well. Next Lord's Day are regular services for Sunday school at 9.50, and then morning and evening services 11, 6.30 couple of advanced things. Our annual general meeting will be held on June the 14th. That will be at 7.30 on June the 14th. And then the Highland Creek Outreach Festival on June 17th. That's a Saturday. It's good to see several names on that list in the back table. If you'd like to be a part of that outreach, you can put your name down there and see Mr. Jew. Those are the ministry announcements we leave with you this morning. We're going to sing again number 437, and we'll stand as we worship the Lord by singing these verses. I am His, and He is mine. for a moment there. I wish that all of you could be up here and listen to the good singing that I'm hearing today. It is tremendous in the praise of the Lord. 
But of course, if all of you are up here, you wouldn't hear anybody down there. So you have to stay where you are, and I'll just enjoy in taking a moment as I hear your singing. Verse number three, it says, Things that once were wild alarms, they cannot now disturb my rest. I'm closed in everlasting arms, pillowed on a loving breast. Oh, to lie forever here, doubt, care, self-resign, while he whispers in mine ear that I am his and he is mine. What great truth what they have in these verses. Let's sing this final verse, verse number four. I invite you to turn now, please, to John's Gospel, chapter 21. John's Gospel, chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. Good to see our brother Provost and his family in service today. We've been praying for our brother as he also has health concerns and we want to hold him up before the Lord as well today. John 21, verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. We'll bow, please, in a word of prayer. 
Our Father, as we are now still with the Word open, come and speak to us, Father, from the Word. Blessed Spirit, take the things of our Lord Jesus and impress them, apply them, teach them to us. So often, Lord, we are hard-hearted. Our minds are closed. We are distracted by a thousand things. And I pray today that we will be still. We will know the speaking voice of the Savior to us. And Lord, bless us now today. We ask these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. If you are joining us today for the first time, the context of John 21 and what we have been studying in these post-resurrection appearances of our Lord Jesus and the teaching, the application that we can draw from this passage and this portion of Scripture and others similar to it, last Lord's Day we were thinking about the event of the meal, the evening meal, the morning meal that Jesus gave to His disciples as He was on the shore, and they were in their boat, having toiled a whole night and catching nothing. I believe this is the only record in the Bible we have of the Lord Jesus cooking a meal for His disciples. If it happened in some other time, we do not know. But what is not hard to imagine in that scene of the disciples in the boat, the Lord on the shore, the fire burning, the smell of freshly baked bread and of fish perfectly cooked, and the invitation for them to come. It's not hard to imagine for these wet, cold fishermen what that would have been like on that morning. The Savior bid them come to His table and dine with Him. What kind of a table was it? Well, maybe it was a table that had a piece of driftwood for it or a rock. It didn't really matter what kind of way that was presented. The idea of the invitation of the Lord Jesus for them to come, that was the key. And they were in fellowship with Him at that time. I don't think you could find a better illustration or definition of fine dining. You may have at some time been to one of those restaurants. You have a number of waiters around. They take care of every need that you have. Most exquisite experience, you might think. Ah, but would it be any better than this? Absolutely not. This was the most amazing situation that we could have imagined for these disciples. In very great respect, this is but a foretaste of the great supper that Christ will prepare, is preparing for the redeemed when we all get to glory in heaven. Around God's table, around the marriage supper of the Lamb, as we have all experienced to some degree a satisfying meal, we are full, our spirits are relaxed, 
and conversation then begins to flow warmly if we are in the company of those who we know love and care for us. This is the picture that's before us on that shore in Galilee in the morning. Jesus had showed Himself to His disciples. And this moment would not be wasted, for the Lord turned His attention to Peter, and He spoke to him as if no one else was there, but there were six other disciples there who witnessed that personal conversation between the Lord and Peter. And Jesus, when He addressed His words to him as if He was alone, He said to him, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? As we think about this study today, friends, let that question echo and reverberate in your mind and heart. And don't imagine it was spoken to Peter, but imagine the Lord is addressing His Word to you today. Do you love me? He is asking the question. This interaction between our Lord and His servant is a very rare public example of how the Lord deals with His people when they have failed Him. For sure, it gives us valuable instructions to how the Lord has dealt and will deal with us, and how we are also to treat and deal with others who have fallen. The first thing I leave with you today is this, and the main point for this message is that we will learn from this account the gentleness of Christ when dealing with our failures. The gentleness of Christ in dealing with our failures. There is very little doubt that the type of interrogation that the Lord was conducting with His servant was very, very gentle. And he, in direct connection with the denial of Peter in the palace of Caiaphas, most people would agree that as the Lord approached him and questioned him, there was the picture looking back to what Peter had done. If we are honest, we will link ourselves with Peter for the number of times that we have fallen in our denials of Christ. The times we have avoided speaking for God. Maybe we have been too embarrassed. Maybe we, maybe we have been afraid what people were going to think about us concerned of these things, fearful. But what is instructive here is the way our Lord dealt with Peter, the simple steps to bring him back to a place that he could be used again. And believer, let us not miss the main thrust of this message. 
because the Lord is so dealing with our failures and the time that we have forsaken Him. He will bring us very carefully, very gently back to Himself. If there is resistance, then the Lord will deal with us in slightly different tack. What did the Lord do when He approached Peter with these words? The first thing He did, Jesus reminded Peter of who He was. He said to him, Simon. Christ was bringing Peter back to his origin. There was an identity check now for God's servant. When a, a proper name is used so intentionally, it causes us to pay greater attention. I think you'll understand it from this point of view. How many parents and people have cutesy names for their children, or maybe even some spouses back and forth? And if those were to be spoken out today, there might be a few red faces. Anyways, we're not going to ask for any volunteering of those particular names. Whatever that might be the case, if mud was tracked through the house, from the front door, right through the living room, and upstairs, mother is unlikely to say, Bobby dear, I think we have a little problem. She might rather say, Robert, John, Richard Smith, get down here right away. There's something that you have to see. And he would know, uh-oh, whenever mom uses my full name, there's going to be a problem. He, she wants to get my attention. And I think we can gather from that too. It may be that Christ was bringing Peter back to the time when he had called him over three years before, when Jesus said very specifically, Thou art Simon. And with His all-seeing eye, the Lord knew all about this man. He knew all that there was to know about him. When we have fallen, you know, into some sin and disgrace, our pride would try to justify our failure, blaming maybe somebody else. And at such a time, we need to be reminded of our identity as fallen, sinful humans, capable of the worst crimes. And we need to take responsibility for our actions. We must own our own sin and not try to sort of head the ball off to someone else. Was the Lord gently touching a nerve of His depraved nature and faulty character and self-professed bravado that was in Peter? Yes, the Lord Jesus was reminding Peter of who He was, but He was also reminding Peter of what he was. He said, Simon, 
son of Jonas. Peter was an ordinary man. He was a Jew. He was part of the visible church of the Old Testament. His father's name was Jonah, New Testament Jonas, and the word means dove. How far back Peter could trace his genealogy, we do not know, but most people who were Jewish knew from what tribe they came from. They would have known what their family originally was involved with as far as service to God was concerned. So Peter would have known something about his background. And the Lord was taking him to show him what he was. Simon, son of Jonas. Emphasizing his heritage. It was by no means a matter to boast him. And for this purpose, whether his family was a noble family in Israel or just a common family, Peter was not to forget this. He was not to forget that he was part of Adam's fallen race. He was not to forget the fact that he was susceptible to folly and to vice, to corruption, to pride, to all of the characteristics that mark ordinary sinful people. I wonder, friends, are there times that we have to be reminded about our ordinariness? The fact that we are nothing special of ourselves, apart from divine grace, that is. When we have pulled ourselves up to some place of prominence or imagined ability, it's then that we will stumble and fall to our own shame and ultimately to the shame of the gospel. You see, genuine humility of mind and heart It's not something that is put on. It's not imaginary. It's not synthetic. It's not a faux humility, which is to be exposed one way or another. But as Peter in his own letter wrote, be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud. What a statement that Peter made in his epistle because back to his memory, I am certain, came this event and what had happened to him. As you and I need not forget where we have come from, the hole of the pit, the depth of our iniquity, let us not forget where we have come from, especially when we would be lifted up in some sort of an idea that we are greater than we are, we're more special, we're braver, stronger. No, friends, God resisteth the proud, but He gives grace unto the humble. So the Lord was speaking to Peter, showing him who he was and what he was. But in this gentle interrogation, the Lord graciously gave Peter opportunity to reaffirm his love. How kind the Lord is to us. Simon, son of Jonas, of Adam's fallen race, impetuous, boastful, proud, do you 
love me, Peter? Peter was a broken man. And it would not be hard to believe that he considered himself unworthy of any place in the service of the kingdom of God after what he had done. He had denied his Messiah. He had openly in the front of the enemies of Christ that were going to crucify Him, He said, I do not know this man. Outright lies and denial. But the Savior who knows every thought and intent of the heart, He set the whole scene of a night with no catch of the men as they were out fishing all night. And he set the whole scene with the miracle of the 153 fish that swam into their net and the breakfast that was prepared and served and the public opportunity of Peter to reaffirm his love for the one whom he had denied. The one who had died in his place. The one who had paid the sacrifice for his sin so that He would never be in hell, but only be in glory and have a seat at the Lord's table. At that shore, it was Christ's table then, but ultimately it is God's table in glory. It's very interesting the definition of the words that are given to us here for love. When Jesus asked Peter if he loved him, it is the word agape. It's the highest form of love. It's the same word that's used in John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world. You could not imagine a higher quantity or value or importance of love than of God's love for the world in sending His Son. And that's the word that Jesus used when He questioned Peter and said, do you love me, Peter, with this highest form and expression of love? Do you love me, Peter, more than these? As difficult as the word love is to define, in the Greek language, there are different words to describe different levels or different aspects of the love that is expressed in human or, in this sense, of divine. Now, we know that when this agape love is used to speak of God's love, it's perfect, it's pure, it is perpetual, it never is ending. There can be nothing higher than it but how can human language capture the composite picture of all the love that is in God and of all that expression means when it's used of God's love? Well, quite frankly, we cannot. It's impossible for us to do that. And this is the very word that Jesus used to His servant. And the Lord added these words more than these there are at least three different ideas of what this could mean when Jesus used the words more than these. Some think it referred to the boat and 
the fisher's nets and his occupation of being a fisherman and all the stuff that represented that former occupation. Peter, did he love all those things more than Christ? The reason for this interpretation is due to the present circumstances where they were and how the Lord found them and what they've been doing all night. It was obvious, it seemed, that that was the meaning. At least that's what some commentators have put forward. Others think that the Lord was meaning to suggest it applied to the disciples themselves. Did Peter love his fellow disciples as friends more than he loved Christ? That's probably the the least likely definition of that expression. Many commentators would believe that it referred to this, that the Lord was approaching Peter and saying to him, Peter, do you love me more than my brethren love me? In other words, do you think that you are better than them? Are you higher than these other disciples? Are you braver, stronger? Do you love me more than all these other men love me? And of course, that would be going back to Luke because there we have the account of how Peter said, if all men deny you, Lord, I will not deny you. I will defend you to the death. And very shortly after that, Peter found out he was not the most loyal, he was not the most committed or bravest disciple. And I think, friend, whatever view you take, the question is a most searching one. Because it went right to Peter's heart, and it should go right to our hearts as well. Because the Lord was really asking, are you putting anything in this life in front or between your love for me? If so, it will be examined. It will be found out. We will be brought to give account for that. Maybe it is, friends, that some things in this life of the material things Some things will get in between us and the Lord. And it's so possible, isn't it? People win great takes in the lottery. Saturday morning, we stopped at a garage sale. Went in, looked around, and it was mostly stuff that you probably would not take or buy. But the lady was sitting there her phone opened, and someone else said, the lady just was notified she won a million dollars in the lottery, and she's sitting there. And so her husband, they're about 75-ish or so, he said, whatever you want, take it. We don't need it. Just take it all. (laughs) They don't need it anymore. We laugh about that. It was an interesting story, and the lady was overwhelmed. But you know, how many times have people won lotteries or had a great investment or inheritance come to them, and then instead of bringing happiness and joy and great euphoria, as the years go past, maybe even the months, 
It does not bring all that happiness because all of a sudden you've got friends that you never knew you had before. All of a sudden you've got more things you have to buy and take care of and look at. And, and many people have lost all of their winnings and then ended up to be more impoverished than they ever were before. Friends, we have to be careful that the stuff of this world does not come between us and the Lord. And maybe, maybe Christ, in asking that question today, He's saying to you, my child, my friend, my loved one, do you love Me more than all that is around you that you possess? Or maybe is it, do you love Me more than you think you do, than everyone else? Are you self-righteous? Are you filled with your own importance in that way? The Savior was pressing, was pressing this upon Him to deeply ponder, and for us, whatever we put between us and our God, it must be removed. Or our love is, at the very least, it's faulty love. It's flawed. Or at the very worst, it is false love. It's not true at all. And we find ourselves to be false believers, false followers of Christ. We're not the genuine article. Now, oh, friends, it's good for us to dig around the foundation, as the Lord says, of our lives, our spirit, our souls, and to make our calling and our election sure. So Peter responded to the Lord using a different word than what Christ used in the question. So the Lord asked Peter, do you agape me, Peter? And Peter responded by saying, Lord, I phileo you. And the origin of that word is philos, which is friend. And so it means this. It's a love that is kindly, a love that is friendly. We could say a warm, endearing love. So Peter very specifically did not answer the question the way the Lord had asked it. He answered the question using a different word. And everyone around, we don't see it in the original because the word love is just used. We don't see it in our translation. But if you could see and imagine that picture with the other six disciples there too, thinking, Peter, you didn't answer the question the way the Lord asked it. Does that mean, Peter, that you don't love the Lord? The word philos is the word that you get Philadelphia, the supposed city of brotherly love, apart from murders and rapes and adulteries and abortions and everything else that goes on in major cities around the world. Nonetheless, that's the supposed meaning of the city. Why did Peter use this word? It was very specific. It was no mistake. Peter obviously did not see himself as loving Christ with that greatest love that he knew God had loved him with. How could he declare that when the cloud of his denial was over him and it was over the others as well? He couldn't say it, but he said what he could say. 
And so whatever the more than these mean, it meant for Peter, he gave a direct response. He didn't even answer that question. He just said, Lord, you know that I love you friendly, kindly, endearingly, but I can't say, Lord, that I loved you with this ultimate or highest love. He gave his direct response. Uh, the Son of God who knew his heart, he knew what type of love that Peter had for him. How would you answer either after a specific blessing that you've had in your life, if the Lord comes after a great victory spiritually and He says to you, do you love me, my child? What would we say? Yes, Lord, of course we love you. But what about after some devastating defeat or trial or denial? Peter's answer was carefully different from the question. Well, the second question that the Lord asked, it's almost identical to the first, but the phrase, more than these, is not there. So the Lord Jesus simply said to him, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And the Lord used the same word, agape, in the second question. And the answer came back with the word phileo again, the same as the first. Peter could not yet venture to claim what he felt so incapable of himself. Then we come to the third question. It was different, and it was vastly different, but you can't tell it in the translation. This time, the Lord Jesus, when He asked, He said, Simon, son of Jonas, phileo me. And Peter, Peter was grieved. We may think that the Lord came down to the level of Peter in using this word. And that may be the case in His gentle and caring handling of His servant. But it was at this point that Peter was very upset, frustrated. And he was grieved when the Lord asked him. And he responded back by saying, Lord, thou knowest all things. You know that I love you. You know it, Lord. Was Peter grieved because Christ had asked him three times and that was it? because it appears that the Lord was doubting the answers to Peter's question, or to Peter's response? Or was it the fact that now the Lord, the Lord even was questioning the level of love that Peter said he had? Oh, you might think, well, the Lord was just coming down to Peter's level. But Peter, I don't know if he looked at it that way. Maybe he considered that, well, Lord, you're even doubting that I love you to any degree at all. And you're questioning that. It may be that both are true. 
there was a double grief here as the great physician, he was applying the scalpel and he was pouring in the antiseptic, the iodine, to fix a wound, to apply the medicine to an infected area. You know, if Peter was going to be healed, the wound had to be opened. It had to be cleaned. It had to be sterilized and then sewn up. Many years ago, when I was about 10, I think it was, I was pedaling my bicycle down a hill with all bravado, with no hands on the handlebar, showing how I could do this really well. And I didn't see the stone that was in the road in front of me, and the front tire hit the stone, and the front tire turned quickly. And physics came into place then, and I was projected over the handlebars and onto the pavement using my face as a brake on the road. Yes, that's why I look the way I do today, by the way. And so my, my nose and my lip was split wide open from there right down to the center, and it was just the skin was laying open. There was blood everywhere. And I was up north at Fenland Falls, and they didn't take you to the hospital in those days. We just went to the local doctor that was in a back room beside the post office. It didn't look that inviting, I'll tell you. Nonetheless, as a kid, I didn't really know anything about that. But I did know this, that on the doctor's chair, I don't even remember how I got to the doctor's office, but I was not in very happy state. All I can remember to my mind today was the doctor coming toward me Left hand holding me, and the right hand was this needle. And this needle was big. It was going to go into my, it was going to come out the back of my head, I was sure. I, I, it was big, and it was going to be injected right into the wound in order to freeze. Well, I was, I'm sure the screaming could have been heard down in Toronto, never mind from that spot. And it took the nurse and the doctor to hold me down in order to do what? I thought he was an enemy. He wasn't helping me at all that day. He was causing great pain. But of course, after the injection went in, and you wait for five minutes or so, and the freezing takes place, you settle down, get you stitched up, and so on. I know today that that doctor was my friend, and he was my helper. He was a, a great physician that day, and what he was able to do. And you know, the greatest service will often hurt the most in our lives. When the Lord puts us on the operating table, He only intends our good. But I wonder, can we rest in that today? All things work together for good, to them that love God, and to them who are the called according to His purpose. The Lord never openly rebuked Peter for his denial. Instead, He gently and lovingly questioned him 
to allow him to openly confess his love as imperfect as it was. J.C. Ryle wrote, Let us carefully note that love to Christ is one of the simplest tests of a true Christian. He may not feel sure that he is converted or that he repents or believes aright, but if he is real, he'll be able to say that he loves Christ. And he went on to say, a vast amount of so-called Christianity is perfectly useless in the sight of God and will only add to people's condemnation for churchgoers or chapel-goers who are content to attend services and hear sermons but know nothing of fervent love to Christ's person and never lay themselves out to imitate Him are in the broad way that leads to destruction. Ah, friend, I, I hope and pray that that is not your case today. I hope and pray that you know the Lord in your heart. If you do not, if you're not a believer this morning, then the Lord invites you to come to Him. You say, I don't love the Lord today. Well, come and confess your sin. Confess that sin of not loving Him. And call upon Him and say, Lord, come into my heart, my life, and change me from the inside out. And when we pray that prayer, in the genuineness of your heart, friend, the Lord will hear. He will forgive. He will heal. He will come in. And you will know the peace of God that passes all understanding. As we conclude today, notice these four thoughts. That none of us can stand on high ground and say we have never denied our Lord. Let's make that real clear. We have all done it, and we will yet do it again, I'm afraid. Even though we have failed, it does not mean that we are cast off. Sometimes we have failed the Lord numerous times, and we think, Lord, why would you ever forgive me of my sin again? How can I dare come back and ask again? But the Lord is graciously with His arms open receiving you and calling you to Himself. Failing the Lord does not mean that we do not love Him, friend. And pray that our love for our Lord will intensify. And that's a good prayer to pray every single day. As we finish our service this morning, we want to continue in this message tonight because as we realize what the Lord instructed Peter about feeding his lambs and his sheep, there is much instruction of the, the kernel and the heart of the question that the Jesus was asking him. And I trust that as we come back tonight to hear the Word that the Lord will continue to speak to us. We're going to close this service now by singing a hymn. It's not in our hymnal. It's just on the screen. I love, I love my Master. I will not go out free. If you are not staying for our communion service, 
then please feel free to leave during the singing of this hymn. Let's stand. Thank you.